morning. Good morning, good morning. If you would, make your way back to your seats or your couch cushion if you're joining us online. So glad that you are joining us online. Can we clap our hands and welcome our online community today? My name is Daniel Sutton, and I get to serve as one of the pastors here, and I want to thank our lead pastors, Chris and Jody Tomlinson, who are not with us today, for the privilege of being able to share the word with you today. They'll be back next week, and we'll get back into the all-in series through the book of Acts then, but today, taking a one-week break, but still talking about how to live an all-in kind of life. Raise your hand if you have watched any of Stranger Things. Some quick hands went up. Others are like, is it okay to admit that at church? I don't know. Yeah, it's okay. There is therefore now no condemnation. Okay, maybe you haven't watched it. Raise your hand if you're at least familiar with the show. You've heard of it, right? You've seen the the picture on Netflix. Okay, all right. (laughs) I'm in no way endorsing the show. I am not encouraging you to watch the show. We started watching the show ourselves and then got to a part where we just didn't want to see where it was going to go. From there, We had seen enough, so I don't know what's happened in this last season, uh, so don't ask me. But in this show, you learn of a mysterious alternate dimension in a parallel human world, and it's referred to as the Upside Down. And the name of this fictional dimension reminds me of how Jesus and the Word of God teaches us to live our lives upside down. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. There's a clear disconnect between what the word of God says and what the world says how the word of God instructs us to live, and how the world is living. Amen? If we as followers of Christ are living our lives according to the word of God, we will look upside down to the world. So today we're going to look at how Jesus teaches us to live. It's upside down. It's weird. Pastor Craig Groeschel of Life Church said, quote, We need to live weird because normal is not working. What the world calls normal is broken and backwards. God's word shows us the way to live. And it's very, very important as we go to, through the word today to, that we remember that Jesus lived the same way that he tells us to live our lives. Amen. When it comes to following Jesus, it is never do as I say, but not as I do. When we follow Jesus, it is always do as I say and watch me do it. Hold my red wine and follow my lead. Jesus teaches us and models for us how to live in a way that is completely upside down from the rest of the world. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for what you've already accomplished in the place, so much more than we could even feel or comprehend. We know that you are moving. We know that you are working, and we are honored to be here with you. Speak through me, Lord. Make it easy to hear your word and receive from it and apply it. 
to our lives today. In Jesus' name, the strong Son of God. And everybody said? The Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote in Romans chapter 12, verses 14 through 21, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay evil for evil. Be careful what to do. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends upon you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Amen? Amen. amen. Now, my, my guess is that we say amen because that's a familiar passage of Scripture, but I wonder how well we're applying it. Because that's a really upside-down way to live, isn't it? It goes against the grain. That's swimming upstream. And usually our default setting as human beings is very different from what we just read in Romans 12. If someone does us wrong, then we want to do them worse. So they'll think twice before crossing us the next time. Get to know someone in a lower position than us? Are you kidding? No, we may try and get to know someone in a higher position so then we can leverage that relationship for our benefit in the future. If our enemy is hungry, great, they probably deserve it. Jesus expects our default setting to be reprogrammed. He expects his followers to live differently. Up is down. Left is right. Right is wrong. Gaining is losing. Last is first. And living is dying. We go through our lives typically preferring to fit in rather than stand out. But God created us to stand out. The Bible says that we are in this world, but we are not of this world. We are chosen. We are royal. We are holy. We are peculiar. We are people of God, people of the light. Amen? So it's time that we begin living upside down. Jesus teaches us and models for us things like to be exalted you must be humbled. To be strong, you must be weak. To receive, you must give. To live, you must die. He instructs us and models for us things like love those who hate you. Rejoice in your trials. If you lose your life, you find it. And do unto others what you would want done unto you. These are all pretty familiar We've heard these before. We can probably quote them from memory, but do we truly understand them? And beyond that, are we actually doing them? This is not easy stuff, is it? This is upside down. It's a weird way to live. 
but it's time to live weird because normal isn't working. So let's unpack some of these upside-down instructions from Jesus and his word. Number one, to be exalted, you must be humbled. Jesus demonstrated this better than anyone. Scripture says that Jesus, the Son of God, humbled himself by taking on human form. He came as a baby, entirely dependent upon his parents. And then he grew up and died a criminal's death on a cross. Talk about humility. James chapter 4, verse 10. Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Matthew 20, the Bible says, The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. You might be here thinking, Daniel, I'm the most humble person I know. I pride myself on my humility. I have a friend, and, and every time he heard how great thou art, he would start to blush. We've got to be people of humility. The world says, look out for yourself. Be better than the person next to you. Use others for your benefit. But God says, give honor where honor is due. Encourage one another. Help others and share the credit. We see God do amazing things through ordinary people when those people are living for God and others and not just living for themselves. So how are you living? Who are you living for? Matthew 6, says, Seek first the kingdom of God and live righteously. Then he will give you everything you need. The way up is down. Let's walk with humility as Christ did, and then he will lift us up at the right time. Amen? Next, to be strong, you must be weak. Again, Jesus became man. He was still God. He didn't cease being God, but he willingly lived and experienced the limitations of flesh and blood, just like we understand. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, the Lord said, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Man, this is another tough one. Spoiler alert, they all are. We don't like being vulnerable, do we? Do you? No. We don't like asking for help, much less accepting help. Raise your hand if you've ever tried to get all of the groceries out of the trunk, close the trunk, and open the front door all in one trip, all by yourself. Anybody? Yeah. Why do we do that? Why do we do that? We're so defeated if we have to come back and make a second trip. We think we can handle whatever comes our way. Why is it so difficult to say, honey, can you give me a hand? Hey, kid, can you grab a bag? That's so hard for us, isn't it? It feeds our pride, which gets in the way of the humility we just talked about. But we don't want to be perceived as weak or needy. We don't need anyone or anything, right? Call us Beyonce because we're independent. But the truth is you are at your best when you are most dependent upon Jesus. You are at your best when you're most dependent upon Jesus. This is the example Jesus gave us. He was dependent upon his father. And when we are dependent upon Jesus, that's when his power can be fully displayed in our lives. 
When we choose to walk in humility and weakness, the focus is taken off of what we can't do, and it's fixed upon the one who can do everything. When we are weak, God is strong in and through us. Amen? Next, to receive, you must give. We like to get without it costing us anything. If it's free, then it's for me. Now, that's okay to a certain extent, but I want you to know that when you give, not, not if you give, we're givers here at Destiny Church, amen? When you give, you should expect to receive. This is a real and true principle from Scripture. You will reap what you sow. And you can sow all kinds of things. We're not just talking about finances. You can sow all types of things, and you will reap each of them, good or bad. You will reap what you sow. But man, with Jesus, Jesus gave his life so that we could receive eternal life in and through him. Jesus did not give to get anything. Jesus gave so that we could gain everything. Wow. Luke chapter 6, verse 38 says, Give and it shall be given to you. Acts 20, 35, Jesus himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Most people work as hard as they can and earn all they can and then keep all they can. Some of the most miserable people in this world are the ones that, that take and take and just stockpile treasures, when some of the most joyful people are the ones who give generously and unselfishly. Have you ever seen that? Maybe you've experienced that. If you've ever been on a mission trip, then you, you may understand this, this giving and this receiving you get your passport and you get your heart in a sensitive place and, and you have every intention of serving and pouring yourself out for these people in this area. And you get to help meet tangible needs and maybe hold babies, clean wounds, build homes. And, and then what happens? It's time to go home. And don't you end up leaving even more blessed and full than when you did when you first got there? To go bless others? Yeah. Why? Because it's more blessed to give than receive in every area with our time, with our talents, and with our treasures. And God is more generous than anyone else. So if he's living inside of us, we should be generous too. When you give your time, talents, and treasures to God for the good of others, you will receive some of the greatest gifts of all. Joy, peace, true satisfaction in him. Be a giver. Amen? Next, to live, you must die. This is the good news of the gospel. Jesus died and then came back to life. He paid the ultimate sacrifice on the cross, and then he went to sit at the Father's right hand. To live, you must die. Romans 8, 13 if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Raise your hand if you've heard the popular saying, YOLO. YOLO, 
You only live once. Most people will say YOLO just before doing something daring or to use a Pastor Jacob saying, just before acting like a dingus. YOLO, you do only live once, but it is forever. And it's either with God or without him. There is no in between. There is no option C. Choose you this day whom you will serve. To truly live and know joy and experience all that you in this world was created for is to know the one by whom it was created, Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And in order to have this life, his life, you must die to yourself. Sometimes over and over and over again. Let's give up our wants and our ways for the wants and ways of Jesus. Because the more you die to yourself, the more life of Christ you receive, the more his spirit will grow within you. So let's live from a place of surrender, daily dying to self, so that we may truly live in Christ Jesus. Amen? Next, love those who hate you. Love those who hate you? Yeah. Love those who hate you. Jesus demonstrated this by ministering to people and meeting the needs of those who would later shout, crucify him. Jesus went even further than that, and while hanging on the cross, he asked the Father to forgive those who were crucifying him. Jesus loves those who hate him. He instructs us to do the same. Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 and 44 you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. This is so upside down. Usually if someone hates you or dislikes you, you're not all that fond of them either. <clears throat> they said something to you or did something. There was some sort of clash or disagreement right? We're supposed to love that person, not attack them, not ignore them, not avoid them, love them. If we love them, let me say, when we love them, it's like extinguishing the fire that has been created. But if we snap back, give them what they probably deserve, it's just adding fuel to that fire, and then that can get out of control really quickly. So if someone is nasty to you, the way we are to react is with love and kindness. Remember Romans 12 said, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Man, this is so difficult. I can't stand up here and say that I get this right all the time or even half the time, but it is possible. Why? Because the Holy Spirit of the living God lives inside of me. And lives inside of many of you too. So it is possible to react the way we're supposed to, amen? To love those who hate us by the power and the guidance of the Holy Spirit in us. Listen, Jesus does not agree with everyone, but he still accepts them. Jesus doesn't like the behaviors of everyone, but he loves them anyway. Jesus doesn't celebrate people's sin, but he still shows compassion. 
Jesus loved and forgave the very ones that crucified him, and he did it before, during, and after. Man. Church, let's not invest ourselves and waste our time and energy on unnecessary and negative conversations with people. Let's just try and squash it from the get-go. If someone says something offensive or hurtful to you, as best you can, just tune out that foolishness. That's what it is. It's foolishness. Do they deserve an earful? And then some? Probably. But don't get sucked into that trap. Instead, choose love, grace, and kindness. James chapter 1 says, Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Why? For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So when we respond the right way to wrong actions, the righteousness of God is produced in our lives. Our actions and reactions should always be producing the righteousness of God. It's the only chance we have to see that person Change from love to from hate to love. Love those who hate you. The Bible gives some pretty cool advice in Proverbs chapter 25 that Paul quotes in Romans 12, and we've already shared it, but I'll read it again. If your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. If he is thirsty, give him water to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. Can you imagine carrying burning coals on top of your head? It doesn't sound pleasant, right? But isn't that kind of a great description of something that could happen to your enemy? Be honest. Yeah, I mean, burning coals on the head of someone was actually a practice in biblical times, and it was a, a humility, an act of humility um, and repentance. Burning coals are used to melt things, right? Uh, glass and metal to, to make them more pliable. In the same way, the heart of our enemy can be softened with our kindness and love. Have you ever seen a blacksmith or a glass blower at work? It's a really cool process. We saw a demonstration outside of the Cummer Museum one time. And the most important part of that process, the key part of that process, is applying heat to the metal or to the glass so that it can become flexible and then uh, manipulated into a beautiful piece of art by the craftsperson. Our kindness and love towards others, especially in response to hate, will soften the hearts of our enemies, challenge them to look inward and examine themselves. And the love of Christ through us even has the potential to lead them toward love and not hate. Our right response to those who do us harm allow God's own power and judgment to fall on that person. So love those who hate you. Amen? Next, rejoice in your trials. Rejoice in my trials? Yeah, rejoice in your trials. Trials were all around Jesus. They followed him. They chased him down, and he never tried to run away from them. Instead, he ran to them so that the Father would be glorified through his miracles and meeting those needs. 
Jesus was quick to spring into action, making the most of every opportunity instead of just complaining about one more thing he had to take care of. Jesus rose above his trials and even rejoiced in his trials. James 1, verses 2 through 4 instructs us, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And when we find ourselves in tough times and walking through trials, those are the easiest times to complain and worry, and doubt, and cuss, and do anything but rejoice. But we are to rejoice and have joy instead. Not just kind of like, oh, I'm content, going with the flow, really wish this was different. No, a pure joy is what Scripture says. And we can have joy because we know God is with us in that trial, and he's doing a work in us to prepare us for a work he'll do through us. Amen? When we complain and just speak negatively, the situation only becomes more and more daunting and overwhelming, heavier and hopeless. It only makes you feel worse. Complaining and, and negative thoughts and talk never makes you feel better. It's not soothing. It makes you think even more about that trial, and then you can't get it out of your mind. Whatever you focus on is magnified, whether good or bad. So let's be focusing on the one who is with us in the midst of the trial, not the trial itself. Amen? Stop telling God how big your problem is and tell that problem how big your God is. Let's rejoice in our trials. When we do, we find hope and joy and peace. Romans 5 Verses 3 and 4 talks about this same thing. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. Perseverance has a chance to shine in your trial. And when it does, we move one step closer to being complete, mature in Christ. And that's what it's all about. Your trial is a great opportunity to prove that you are an overcomer. The next trial you face is your chance. Take advantage of it and seize that opportunity. Let's shift the way we see things. Let's put our God goggles on and start looking at our trials as opportunities to overcome, not as obstacles we can't get around or through. Opportunities for the glory and greatness of God to be on full display. An opportunity to put the devil in his place. Where's that? Under our feet. Opportunities to grow spiritually and get even tighter with Jesus. See, the trial that you are going through, and Pastor Chris says this all the time, I love it. Everyone here is either going through something, has just come out of something, or is about to go through something. So we know something about trials, amen? Everybody here? That trial, that problem just might be a problem on purpose, meant to build your character, mature you, and equip you for the next trial. That's probably going to be even tougher than the one you currently find yourself in. So don't complain about your trials. Conquer them 
Don't resist your trials. Rejoice in them. Live upside down. Amen? Next, if you lose your life, you find it. If you willingly give up your life, you find it. I think we've already established how Jesus modeled this. In Matthew 16, verses 24 through 26, Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? How do I find something by losing it? Does that make any kind of sense? I mean, if you substitute any other word for life in this verse, it's just as puzzling and almost comical. For example, if you lose your money, you find it. If you lose your mind, you find it. If you lose your keys, you find them. If you lose your phone, God forbid, you find it. So what does it mean? It's all about surrender. Our life must become all about God, centered around him. He cannot just be something on the checklist. He he is the list that everything else revolves around. Amen? We've got to do the three things we see in Matthew 16. If we are really his followers, and that is deny ourselves, that's where it starts. Take up our cross and then follow him. We don't go our way and then he follows and says, yep, that's right. No, left turn. No, we follow him. When we lose our life, our life is not ending. When we lose our life, it's not like, well, where to go? I misplaced it. Now, when we lose our life, we are placing it intentionally, prayerfully, full of hope into the big, strong hands of God, giving him control. And if he is holding the reins of our life, our lives will go so much further here on this earth. Holding on to your life, trying to keep control will not benefit you at all. We've got to surrender to the will of God, knowing that his ways are better than our own. If you lose your life, then you find it. I hope this is helping someone today. We've got one more, last one. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. This is commonly referred to as the golden rule. My mom ingrained this in my head since I was a little boy. Jesus demonstrated it for us, just like all of the rest of these. Jesus showed everyone that he came into contact with love, grace, understanding, compassion, even when he was bringing correction to them. See, Jesus was able to separate the sin from the sinner. Jesus could separate the behavior from the being, the persecution from the person. That's because Jesus understood that he did not wrestle against flesh and blood, and neither do we. Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Do to others what you would like them to do to you. 
kind of a throwback to the love those who hate you one, but I think it's a really important one to end with because this is hard. Again, it's normal to treat people how they treat you, right? They treat you bad, you want to return the favor. They treat you nicely, you're pretty nice back. That's easy, but that's not what God's word tells us to do. We are called and expected by God to treat people the way that we want to be treated by people. We should love people like Jesus loves people. Love people like Jesus loves us. I don't know about you, but I'm not always too lovable. That might be hard to believe. But we should love people like Jesus loves us. We should welcome and include people because we want to be included. I think everyone here has felt excluded at one time or another. Raise your hand if you've ever experienced that, right? That's not a fun place to be. That's not a good feeling. It's not what we would desire. So let's not do that to others. We've got to start living upside down, church. And these are just a few of the many ways that Jesus tells us to live upside down. I I was reading in Philippians chapter 4 the other day. This isn't even in my notes, but Philippians 4 verse 8, you want to find some other ways to live upside down? Think about things that are true and honorable and lovely and, and praiseworthy, right? The world's not thinking about those things. You want to live upside down? Start thinking about those things. You want to find some more? Go to Matthew 5 through 7, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and you'll find at least eight more in those couple of chapters of how to live upside down. Things like, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are you when you're persecuted. If your hand or your eye cause you to stumble, get rid of them. Blessed are you when people insult you. Don't resist evil people. Love your enemies. Give secretly. Don't store up treasures on earth. Don't judge other people. And there's so much more. And it's all so upside down. It's all so opposite of how too many Christians are actually living. The problem, church, is that for far too long, followers of Christ have looked no different from those who are not followers of Christ. The world has been influencing the church when the church should be influencing the world. Unfortunately, lukewarm has become synonymous with normal in the church. Isaiah 29, 13, the Lord says, These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is made up of only rules taught by men. In this verse, God is describing what normal Christians look like today. God's saying they're not close to me at all. They talk a good game, but they're just going through the motions. Think about it. Most Christians, and maybe you yourself, have the same problems in their lives as people who aren't following Christ. Right? We spend our money and our time on the same things that unbelievers do. Most Christians have the same problems in their marriages and in their parenting as anyone else, whether they know Christ or not. Most Christians claim to believe in God, but not so much that it actually changes them. That's lukewarm. You believe in God, but you're no different from people who don't. 
Visit a country where if you confess Christ, you'll go to prison or even be executed. Our country might get there too. Well, you go to those places and call yourself a Christian, it actually means something because it might cost you everything. Hear me so clearly. Child of God, you are not normal. You are not normal. The world's definition of normal is broken. It's time that we live weird, that we live biblically, that we live upside down, actually following the teachings of Jesus and literally practicing the patterns that he's laid out for us in his life. And we do it one thought at a time, one word at a time, one action at a time, one reaction at a time, one day at a time. Church, let's live our lives upside down and see how God might use it to turn this world right side up again and reveal his glory all over the earth. Amen? Would you stand? Let's lift our voice in song just a little bit more. And I'll come back and close us in a moment.